Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 29th of March 2015, entitled, To See the End. And the Bible reading is taken from Matthew chapter 26, verses 57 to 68. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 57. And they that had laid hold on Jesus led him away to Caiaphas the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. But Peter followed him afar off into the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Now the chief priest and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death, but found none. Yea, though many false witnesses came, yet found they none. At the last came two false witnesses, and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses, what is it which these witness against thee? But Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tellest whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall ye see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. What think ye? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they spit in his face and buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands, saying, Prophesy unto us, thou Christ, who is he that smote thee? Father, we thank you again this evening. Lord, as we read once again these moving words from Scripture, we're reminded of just what it was that you were willing to go through for each and every one of us. I pray, Lord, in these next moments as we look into your word, that by the power of your spirit, you would speak to our hearts as we look upon these things. Help us, Lord, to be reminded of that day that you went to Calvary and gave yourself for us just what you accomplished for us in doing so. Of course, in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. I guess traditionally today would be what many would refer to as Palm Sunday. We find in Scripture Jesus entering and them laying the palms before him. His entrance into the city was one of celebration but, of course, things changed quickly during the course of the week. God willing, if the Lord tarries his second coming in the cloud, as he speaks of here, when we gather next week, we will be gathering especially on Resurrection Sunday to celebrate not only the fact that he died upon the cross for our sins, but that he did rise again the third day. As we look in this passage here this evening, I really just want to remind you of a few very simple thoughts that should encourage us as Christians because on the one hand, 
when we look at what is taking place, it is something that may sadden us and, and break our hearts and we think of the horrible things that Jesus went through. And yet if we think upon what he was accomplishing for us, we have cause to celebrate because there was no other hope. We find just a portion of the happenings that were going on as we read here in Scripture this evening. Jesus had already been betrayed. He had already been arrested. And here he was being brought before Caiaphas and the Sanhedrin. And of course, if we were to read on, we would find him being uh, delivered to, to Pilate and all the other things that, that took place there. But I want to direct your attention to one particular verse here. In verse 58, the Bible tells us that in verse 57, that when they had laid hold on Jesus, they led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the scribes and the elders were assembled. Now notice verse 58 says, but Peter followed him afar off. We find that Peter, obviously, there was some fear involved here. <laughs> he didn't want to get too close to the action. The Bible says that he followed him afar off unto the high priest's palace and went in and sat with the servants to see the end. Peter's curiosity, obviously, though that there was fear and curiosity both here, the text tells us that Peter went in and sat down because he wanted to see the end. He wanted to see the end of what? Well, I would suggest to you that part of it was just that, that curiosity about what was going on and, and certainly fear. He wasn't wanting to get too close to Jesus during this time. And if we read on down in the next verses that follow, we would find him actually denying that he even knew the Lord Jesus Christ. But he's wanting to see here just what's going on, how this is going to play out. In actual fact, he wants to see how it's going to end. He was wanting to see the end, the Word of God says. However... I would suggest to you that Peter was about to see the end of a lot more than he could even possibly imagine. I don't think for a moment that Peter actually understood at this point in time all of the main aspects of what this event before his eyes really meant, let alone what it would bring in the future. And there are many, many things we could say there because all of our Christian faith hinges upon these events that follow. But I want to give you four things in that week. This is the beginning of the end, if you would, after Jesus had been arrested and he's being taken there to be falsely judged. I want to propose at least four things that Peter was seeing the end of, even if he didn't realize it himself. The first thing is Peter sat there and saw these things play out. And he saw the events that followed this. And he eventually saw Jesus being nailed to that cross. I would suggest to you this evening that he saw the end, all right. He saw the end of Satan. He saw the defeat of Satan himself. In John chapter 13, verse 18, Jesus said, I speak not of you all. I know whom 
I have chosen, but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now, keep that heel in mind. Just a few verses later in verse 27, still in John chapter 13, the Bible says, and after the sop, Satan entered into him, speaking of Judas, then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly. May I propose to you that this was no surprise to Jesus. <laughs> this absolutely was not maybe a total shock to everybody else what Judas was doing there. But what I want you to just be reminded of in these verses is that, yes, Satan had his hand in the goings-on here, was literally the one that entered into Judas to bring about the betrayal and the arrest of Jesus that had brought him into this place in the first place. I believe Satan thought, man, finally, <laughs> I'm getting the upper hand. I'm getting somewhere with this. In fact, he was only doing what God was allowing him to do. We've looked at this verse a few times in recent weeks. We even spoke of it this morning in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, God speaking to Satan, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his what? His heel. And we find right here, this is exactly, he that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Oh, this was a battle with Satan. There is absolutely no question about it. For some 4,000 years, time had been marching on since God had first given that promise right there in the Garden of Eden of Satan's demise. Undoubtedly, to many of the Jews, it must have seemed that that seed of Genesis 3.15 would never come. Matter of fact, to most of them, they didn't receive him when he did come. But God's promises, they are always sure. And they are always on time and in his perfect time. May I propose to you that this is exactly what God had planned. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, but when the fullness of the time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law in the fullness of the time. It was God's perfect time when everything was in place. He was the one that sent forth his son to be born as that man on this earth for this purpose that he was here for this day. John said in John chapter 12, verse 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. You find that uh, I doubt that Peter had any earthly idea that he was seeing the end of Satan that day, that he was seeing the defeat of Satan before his very eyes. And I propose that when Jesus spoke these words in John chapter 12 that we just read here in verse 31. Of course, he knew precisely. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. John chapter 12. This is coming to the end 
of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ upon this earth. This is just before his final meeting with his disciples and preparing them for precisely what's going on right here. I doubt that Peter or anyone else around that cross, any of the others that were sitting there that day, that maybe some of the same ones were the bystanders by the cross that day, they didn't realize that they were observing the end of Satan. <laughs> they didn't realize that this was the seal of his defeat, of his doom for all of eternity. Well, we look around and yet there's no doubt that Satan's still around today. <laughs> there's plenty of evidence of that. But I say with you with absolute certainty just as they awaited that seed that came, that seed that was nailed to that cross that day, just as all of that, Satan is on borrowed time. He's on borrowed time. He is already defeated. Jesus himself has assured us of that. His doom is already sealed. And though you really could say that his doom was sealed, the moment that God, the great three in one, sat there and planned all of this in eternity past. When, once God had planned it, it was done. But what we see here at Calvary is the very act that fulfilled and accomplished that plan that God had put in place. It was God that was allowing this to play out. It was God that here, Though it may look to mortals' eyes and though Satan himself may have been deceived in some or all of this, it was in actual fact his defeat. To look upon Jesus at Calvary is to look upon the end of Satan, the defeat of Satan, because that's where he was defeated. But it's not just the defeat or the doom or whatever you want to call it of Satan that we see there at Calvary, there's something else that we see there which is really sad on our parts. Not only the defeat of Satan, but the depravity of man. <laughs> the depths of our sinfulness, of our wickedness. You see, I believe that when they saw what they were doing to Jesus here and the events that followed that they were seeing the depravity of man reach its lowest point when they could take the Son of God and nail him to that cross. Many of those present had what they considered to be reasonable and valid reasons for what they were doing that day. I mean, here he's brought before Caiaphas, the, the high priest, why did Caiaphas want to see Jesus gotten rid of? Why did he want to get rid of Jesus? Because Jesus exposed their hypocrisies. And he had told them that so many times. He was a threat to their religious position and power that they held. And so they saw this man as a threat that they had a valid reason to get rid of. Were they that deceived? Possibly, but they were certainly that depraved. Herod, you see, Herod felt that he had to get rid of Jesus because 
He'd been told that Jesus was a threat to his throne. <laughs> Jesus was a threat to the high priest. It was his religious seat of power. To Herod, it was his seat of power that he was sitting there upon his throne. What about Pilate? Similar. What got Pilate in the end? Pilate felt that he had to get rid of Jesus because of the pressure of the people and, if you would, his political reprisals. What it would cost him politically if he did not. He had to do this. The truth is, though they may have reasoned this out in their own heads, that what they were doing was the right thing. There was never a more depraved act to expose the very depths of man's wicked heart than what took place with Jesus there at Calvary. You see, there is no justification in the actions of anyone in crucifying the Son of God, in putting him to open shame, in calling these false witnesses and all that they did there. There was only one person that was right in all of this. That's the great three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes, they were right in offering up Jesus as a sin offering for our sins. But not only were we as mankind showing the very end, the very depths of our depravity and putting Jesus on the cross, we certainly didn't deserve the grace and love of God that flows from that cross to each and every one of us to save us as believers. Peter was sitting there to see the end. But he had no idea that he was seeing the end, the defeat of Satan himself. That he was seeing the end of man's depravity, the very depths, the depravity of mankind. But I propose to you something else, that he was seeing the end, the disposing, literally, of sin. Sin being put away by the sacrifice that was being made here. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 26 puts it this way. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. He hath appeared here in the end of time to put away sin by his sacrifice, to dispose of sin the words there, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. It carries that meaning that this was something that was done once for all. One time here in the end of the world, one time here, he would make this sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross, those that were sitting around and, and watching all that was taking place, they had no earthly idea of the momentous event that was taking place before their eyes. 
a plan that had been made in eternity past was being brought to its end at this point in time upon this earth for all of time. Jesus, the incarnation of God himself, when he became man and he took upon himself to put away, to dispose of sin once for all through the sacrifice of himself. That ought to make a Baptist shout like a Pentecostal, praise God. Jesus knew that's what he was doing. He knew that's what he was up to. This act, at this point in history, once for all time, once for all people, most things in life come to an end. But thank God, the blood is forever. The blood is forever. It's sufficient. This was the end of sin because Jesus himself took that blood and he put it upon that altar where it would last for eternity as a memorial of his love for us. It was sufficient sacrifice once for all and for all time. That same Jesus is now the only high priest. He is now our only mediator with the Father. Peter was sitting there to see the end of it all, to see the end. He was seeing the defeat of Satan, the depravity of man, the disposing of sin. But I give you one final thing that he was seeing as well. Luke chapter 23, verses 39 to 43. May I say to you that there upon Calvary, they saw the demonstration of Christ's purpose, <laughs> a demonstration of what he had come for, a demonstration of what it was all for. Luke 23, verse 39 says, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due rewards of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. You see, at the beginning of the crucifixions, when Jesus was hung there between these two thieves, we find both of those thieves railing against Jesus, both of those thieves rejecting him and mocking him of all that he's supposed to be. But somewhere along the line, <laughs> that one thief, came to his senses, and he saw Jesus for who he really was. He wasn't just another criminal hanging there. Now, that 
unbelieving thief, he just kept on slinging all those accusing remarks, and I guess it made him feel better. Sometimes it seems to make people feel better in our world, doesn't it? But the thief that had seen a Savior instead of just another criminal <laughs> said, hey, we deserve what we're getting. We're being crucified justly, but not him. And of course, in realizing who was hanging beside him, we find him simply calling out for mercy, <laughs> asking to be remembered in paradise. What does the Bible say? With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It wasn't his words that he spoke to Jesus. It's what had taken place in this dying thief's heart that had saved his soul. He recognized and accepted Jesus Christ for who he was, and he realized that was his only hope. <laughs> that was his only hope. Of course, Jesus did have mercy on him. Jesus promised him, oh, you will be with me in paradise today. Today, two thieves. One of them repents and pleads for mercy, and he's saved. The other saw a different end when he dropped into eternity that day. Both of them saw an end to their earthly life that day. They came to their end. But it wasn't the end of their being, of their consciousness. And where they went, even as we gather here tonight some 2,000 years later, they're still there. They're still conscious. They're still in that place. I would remind you that as they hung there on that cross, we see the demonstration of Christ's great purpose in coming. Recorded for us in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. You see, that was his whole purpose in coming. <laughs> Those that were there that day to see the end, they saw the end. They saw the end of a journey for two thieves that were as different as different could be. <laughs> Believe me, their destinations were not the same that day. They also saw the end of what Jesus had come to this earth to accomplish, to die in the sinner's place. And of course, we know that he was victorious. We know that he accomplished what he came to do when he said, it is finished there on Calvary because three days later he proved it when he rose from the grave. Death couldn't hold him. Here, gazing upon Calvary is a demonstration of everything Christ came for when he died on that cross and saved that dying thief that was dying next to him. You see, Peter was curious that day. Peter was afraid to get too involved, but he was still curious as to how it would all end. Many people today are the same. They're afraid to get too close to Jesus. They're afraid to get too close to some of you Christians even. But they're still curious. Some of them are watching. 
from afar off. They're watching at a distance. They may even deny it as Peter did. The thing is, so we have to ask ourselves, what end is in store for us? What end is in store for you this evening? What end is in store for your family and mine, your friends and my friends? What end is in store for all of those that we will yet come in contact with today and tomorrow and this week and next week as long as we walk this pathway that God has put us upon? What end will they see? Peter was there to see the end. He was there to see the end of this event that was playing out before his eyes, which would lead to Jesus Christ dying upon that cross. We will all see an end in this world of some kind. But it's because of the end that they saw there at Calvary that day that we have a choice just as those two thieves did of what our end will be and where it will take us and where that destination will lead to because just even as their life ended there upon those crosses that day, <laughs> they didn't end for eternity. That stage of their life may have ended, but the choices they made that day determined their destiny forever. So I'm simply saying to you that Many people, just out of the same curiosity as Peter, might be looking to see how all this turns out. It's just playing out before their eyes. And just as those two thieves that hung there, they may be ridiculing and mocking and making fun of everything that's going on. But I say to you that if they see Jesus for who he really is, just as that thief did, their end will change. That's our responsibility. That's why that it's the greatest responsibility that we have in this life, that people can see Jesus in us, that they can see him for who he really is. Whatever their attitudes now, whatever their reasons might be for looking on, that they might see the end that would bring them to their knees, that they would accept Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you this evening, and Lord, as we do approach this holiday time, we realize that, Lord, even around us, there'll be many things, both secular and religious, that are not the things that we would feel comfortable with, that are not really what we are celebrating at all. But Lord, as we celebrate these events, I pray that in it all, not just this week and not just next week, but every week that we might be upon this earth, Lord, that we might allow the Jesus Christ that hung there upon that cross and rose the third day be seen through our lives, that which we do. I pray, Lord, that you would help us, that you would make us that witness that we need to be. Help us, Lord, as the old songwriter says, set my soul afire, Lord. May you set our soul afire for what took place there. May you change lives around us. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.